Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Your 2019 Chicago Cubs have arrived. Opening day is Thursday. It's hard to believe. It seems like a long time ago they lost in the wild card game, but at the same time, it feels like spring training just started and this season just crept up so fast. There's a lot going on. We have the roster being finalized. We have some big news front office-wise, a lot to get to, so stick with us. We're going to preview the 2019 Chicago Cubs season. Adam, how are you? Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and crack. Hey, I'm good. How are you? Well, uh, great. I- I'm especially great now. Thank you. Yeah, sure. That's just something I thought about doing. Hey, I love it. Love and I did uh, it. Love some uh, musical input on this show. Awesome. Yeah, don't well, lie. Well, you ready to get right into this? Got a lot to talk about. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's get on to the big news of the day. Normally, the big news of the day would just be, well, final spring training game against the Red Sox. They won at Sloan Park. It's off to Texas to start opening day, but we have ourselves our first big extension in this new extension era of baseball, if you want to call it. None other than Kyle Hendricks. Four years, about $60 million. It was just around, what was it, 59, 59.5, 55.9, something it, like that. Yeah, it was It was 55 point something. 55.5 yeah. is what it was. It's $63 million guaranteed. Because you got to factor in that they have to pay him what he's making this year, which they agreed upon. Then Mm -hmm. the five years on top of that. And then in 2024, there is a vesting option. And this vesting option is a little strange. So I think it's if he finishes in Cy Young voting a certain way, he will earn a $16 million vesting option. Or if not, that turns into a club option. Or there's a $1.5 million buyout. But Kyle Hendricks looks like he's going to be a Cub through at least 2023. Very well could be a Cub through 2024. This was an extension that I think absolutely needed to happen. We have talked about Chris Bryant. We've talked about Javi Baez. But this is a guy where you have a rotation that doesn't have much more of a future with the guys you have. You're going to have you Darvish for a number of years. But... Uh, John Lester is going to be gone in a few years. Cole Hamels is probably gone after this year. And I imagine Jose Quintana is going to be gone soon. So this is big. Yeah. And it's something that I think more people should have thought about during the whole Bryce Harper thing too, as just one more reason why it may not have been the best idea for them to go after him. Uh, Because you look at the Cubs rotation and they're not all spring chickens in there. And we are approaching a time where the team will actually be pretty desperate for starting pitching. Uh, And Kyle Hendricks is definitely one of the guys that they needed to get locked up because he's only 29 years old. uh, And he's the kind of pitcher who doesn't rely too heavily on velocity either. So he's the ideal candidate to be locked up on on an extension. Um, And man, you look at the career he's had so far. He's been he's been dynamite. I mean, if he keeps this up for another six or seven years, I think you've honestly got a borderline Hall of Fame resume there. Yeah, you mentioned the numbers, a 307 career ERA going back to 2014. He has not had an ERA above 395, and I believe that's his career high. That was 2015. He won the ERA title in 2016 with a 213 ERA. Last year, you know, he he had some struggles early on, but he came back and had an ERA of about 3-4. I mean, this guy is consistently good. And the other thing is, he's consistently durable. He's only had one little spell where he had an injury. That was in 2017. But you go back and you look at the starts. He's made 30-plus starts in three of the last four years. The only reason he didn't do four of the last four years was because 2017, he missed like a month. But outside that, he's been durable. I'm sure it helps that he doesn't throw 95-plus. He doesn't have a funky delivery. He throws 87, 88 miles an hour. I think that really helps you stay on the field. And 
you know, he does it so well. He's so underrated. It's it's amazing oh, yeah. what this guy can do. Oh yeah, incredibly underrated. It's it's just because he's not real flashy. I mean, he's not Max no. Scherzer. He doesn't pitch with that death look in his eye. Doesn't have a flamethrower for an arm. Uh, doesn't strike a ton of guys out, even though he he has had stretches where he does get a lot of strikeouts. But ideally, his his strength is being a ground ball pitcher, which he does about as well as anyone in the league, I think. Uh, and so this is this is a really good deal for the Chicago Cubs, I think. I mean, this honestly, because this is a guy we were all wanting to extend for a while. And and this is this final number, 55 point something. That's lower than I expected. Honestly, I was thinking more in the, the ballpark of like 85. Yeah. So if you look at the uh, the years that he's going to be pitching here and what he's making each year, he has the seven whatever he's making this year. And then when his deal starts in 2020, that's going to be roughly, I think it was. So it goes, it's 12 million in 2020. Yeah. And then and the 14, rest 14 million, yeah. 14 from 21 to 23. And then a $16 million option for 2024. Right. So he's going to be making between, you know, 12 and 14 for pretty much this entire extension. You're not going yeah. 20 or above. Yeah. And I mean, 29 to, to 33, those that's like, that's pretty much the, uh, your prime window. So this is, this is the perfect time to extend him, I think. Yeah, that's another great point. He's technically the youngest starting pitcher on the Cubs. Because if you look at the starting five right now, and we'll just get right into the rotation when we talk about this, you have John Lester, you Darvish, Cole Hamels, Kyle Hendricks, Jose Quintana. He's the only one under 30. Jose Quintana just turned 30 like two months ago. So he's the only one under 30. John Lester and Cole Hamels are 35. They're no spring chickens. You Darvish is what, 32, 33? Something around there? 30, 32, I believe. 32, yeah, so there you go. So yeah, this was perfect. And you would want to build a rotation for the future around a guy who has not only been consistently reliable, but consistently durable, right? It seems oh. pretty logical. Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd like to see him eclipse 200 innings this season. He j- he didn't quite do it last year. Got to 199. So my my hope for Kyle Hendricks is that he could be a 200 inning guy for the next couple years at least. Yeah, he definitely could have if he didn't have that rough patch in the first half. Because mm-hmm. if you remember, he had that really bad rough patch last year where. He was giving up a lot of home runs and he just wasn't looking the same. So he made a few mechanical adjustments and he went back to dominating. If you look yeah. at his second half He's stats smart in guy. September, yeah, he knows how to adjust. Yeah, I mean, they don't call him the professor for nothing. That's That nickname isn't, uh, it's not an ironic nickname. No, no, it is not I mean, in so many ways. I mean, the guy went to Dartmouth. He's smart. He controls the batters with, stuff and location and not speed. And when I say stuff, I mean like movement. I'm not talking 95 mile an hour fastballs. I'm not talking uh, sliders that are coming in in the high 80s. We're talking fastballs dotting the outside corner that are in the mid to high 80s. We're talking about change-ups that have the bottom just completely fall out of it. And he doesn't throw a curveball a lot, but when he does snap off a curveball, the movement is pretty nasty. And that's how he beats you. A nice mix, and he beats you just with location. Location is his biggest thing. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I I like his personality on the Cubs, too, because the Cubs are a team of, of a lot of young, outspoken, funny guys. And Kyle Hendricks is like a robot, like an he emotionless is. robot who never smiles but it's it's kind of funny in its own way though it's like his dullness is is sort of amusing if you know what i mean it is i i totally agree you have that one picture of him with just that straight face that you see going around twitter it's it's great yeah i mean you 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 notice on cubs twitter that if he breaks a smile in in an interview or anything it like breaks cubs twitter because it it never happens exactly And by the way, this deal, if you look at the incentives, the maximum he can earn 
through a deal that's go that would go through 2024. So this would include that that last option year. Uh, he can make up to 79.8 million dollars, so nearly 80 million dollars he can make up to. But no matter what, he's going to be getting 63 million dollars from the start of this year, uh, pretty much to when he's fully guaranteed under contract. So good yeah. for him. Terrific deal for for both parties. Yeah, and this this had to happen. I think. Absolutely. No question. Now let's just kind of go into this team and the rotation while we're previewing this season. He's probably going to pitch fourth now because the rotation against the Rangers is as followed. John Lester opening day. Then you Darvish is going to pitch game two. Then Cole Hamels game three Darvish and Hamels pitching against their former teams. And obviously Lester getting the opening day nod. We've known this for a while now. Interesting, because if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Kyle Hendricks would be at least four and not two, I'd probably be surprised. I know there's a whole matchup factor, and the rotation really doesn't matter after like the first week or so, but you know, it's not something I particularly pictured, but it's not something completely wild either. No, and if you recall, a, a few weeks ago, we actually debated whether we thought it would be or whether it should be Lester or Hendricks getting the nod on Cubs opening day. Right. And now here we are, and Hendricks is going to go fourth. I actually kind of was partial to the idea of Hendricks going first, but my my end takeaway was that I didn't really care either way. Um, but, I mean, obviously people should understand that this doesn't mean – that Joe Madden is saying Kyle Hendricks is the fourth best pitcher on this no, staff. No, not at all. I mean, I think there's there's definitely some more strategy to it than that. And I, I don't know. I, the more I think about it, the more I actually kind of like it, having one of your better starters going fourth. I mean, it just get, that gives you a, a much more favorable chance in that well, and particular rem- game. And remember, uh, after they're in Texas, they got to go to Atlanta. So mm-hmm. having it's, arguably your best pitch in Atlanta, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and if you look at this this Texas rotation that's going, really, Kyle Hendricks or no Kyle Hendricks, it's it's pretty heavily uh, in favor of the Cubs. I would sure. think. I mean, you got you got Mike Miner going on day one for the Rangers. Uh, game two, you got Edinson Volquez, and then in game three. You've got Lance Lynn. I mean, everybody the Cubs have could beat those guys. I think that's that's a Cubs Cubs heavy matchup every time. Yeah, you know it's funny. We will not see former Cub and World Champion Jason Hamill because he retired just a few days ago, and he made the Rangers ball club, but he decided to retire, so we will not see him. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it's weird that he announced that right after he made the club. Like he just wanted to prove that he could do it and then go, okay, I'm done. Yeah, maybe. Screw this. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's older. What is he? He's got to be like 35, 36 by now. Yeah, he was in his mid-30s because he's been pitching yeah. a while. Yeah, he's been in the league a long time. Absolutely. I mean, you look at all those guys on that staff. You mentioned Mike Miner. You mentioned Edison Volquez. You mentioned Lance Lynn. I mean, those are no spring chickens. Those guys have been around a while. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably not going to be a, a a great season for the Rangers. I wouldn't think they're they're not not one of my uh, sleeping giant teams. No, they're gonna they're gonna hit some home runs, but uh, the pitching it's gonna be rough. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be not great there. So yeah. I think the the biggest thing for this upcoming opening series for the Cubs is you just got to score a bunch of runs. Um, Cause I mean, I'm just going to say it right now, as much as I love John Lester, I could see another rough outing on opening day. You remember oh, yeah. last year he had a rough opening day, mm-hmm. even in his Cubs debut, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't anywhere near a masterpiece. No. Uh, and you know, Texas is not the easiest place to pitch in. I mean, look at Cole Hamels. Uh, so I could see him not doing so great, but if you just go out and score a bunch of runs, you should win. I mean, I could see John Lester not having an elite year in general. I mean, he's not he's not in his prime anymore. He's he's up there. He's 35 years old, for God's sake. 
Uh, I still think he's going to be good. I think he's still going to be a good pitcher, but uh, I I don't think anybody should be uh, under the impression that he's going to be like 2016 John Lester again. No, and not that that couldn't happen, but. Yeah, it's it's something you don't really expect. I mean, you saw last year, you saw John Lester. He used grit. I mean, it sounds cliche, but he used grit to get through games. Yeah, he grinded his way through games. He didn't use what he used to use because he just couldn't throw it anymore. He didn't have the same movement, didn't have the same velocity. So he kind of pitched to his team and just kind of grinded away. You let the defense make some plays. You're not going to blow anyone away anymore because his strikeouts per nine really dipped last year. I mean, you see the ERA last year. It was good. You saw him pitch in big games, and he did a good job. He did a mm-hmm. good job in the wild card game. But the peripherals overall showed that there were some rough patches. And yeah. you know, there were times where he may have been getting a little lucky. But you know, still, if if you're in a big game, John Lester still proved that he's the guy to pitch in a big game. Oh, so yeah. it may not be pretty, but John Lester will usually find a way to win. Yeah, I mean, veteran leadership has has value all on its own, too. And this this was to be expected, though. I mean, his cutter isn't what it used to be. His velocity obviously isn't what it used to be either. Uh, and like we've talked about so many times, the pitchers that stick around longer in their careers are the ones who adjusted later in their careers and didn't try to pitch the same way they did when they were 24, 25. And we've already seen John Lester do that, and that's why he's still in the majors and pitching on opening day. So, yeah, John John's a smart guy too. And I, like I said, I'm not expecting ace stuff from him all season long, but I think he's still going to be a great starting pitcher. I mean, consider the fact that under his belt, he has 2,366 regular season innings. And on top of that, he has 154 postseason innings. That is a lot of miles on that arm, and he's been durable too. And it's it's really an amazing story, considering when he first came to the majors, he was battling cancer. But he came back, and he has made 30-plus starts pretty much exactly every year since 2008. From 2008 to last year, he has made 32 31, 33 starts consistently, never less than 31. It's pretty remarkable. That is impressive. That is not an easy thing to do. No, no, it's not. I'll just I'll just read it for you right now. From 2008 onward, here are the number of starts. 33, 32, 32, 31, 33, 33, 32, 32, 32, 32, 32. That, I may yeah, have added that an is, extra 32 in there, but he's made exactly 32 starts every year since 2014. That is damned impressive. That is hard to find in MLB's current state. It really is. And I mean, you look at the innings pitched. A lot of these years, he had 200 plus innings. And even when he didn't, it was still 180 or more. Yeah, and I mean that's that's just that's another reason why he's still around, the fact that he can do that because you look at at the way the league is right now, it's so so centered on home runs uh and so pitchers obviously have to have to combat that uh and that makes durability more of an issue right now. You see a lot more injuries now than I than you used to, I think. Mm-hmm. And so just just having somebody who can pitch when he's scheduled to is is another thing that is hard to find in the league right now. And it's really impressive that in his mid-30s, he's still a guy who makes just about every start. And in case you were wondering, from 2008 to 2018, that decade right there, he has a cumulative 342 ERA, a 1.23 whip, 1.1226, if you want to... uh, add another digit there. I was just rounding up. Um, And that's 2,221 and two thirds innings. Pretty impressive. Mm, Bueno. So beyond John Lester, um, obviously the big name, you Darvish 
on this season. Let's face it. When it comes to pitching, the guy that we need to bounce back most is you Darvish. We know what happened last year. We've gone over the injury many times. There isn't much more to say. Spring training, he looks fantastic. The velocity was there. The movement was there. He really hasn't had a disastrous outing this spring training. He has looked good. Yeah, and, and he, he, has he been just has to translate confident it. too. He's been confident as hell. Yes, he is. Everything and, he's everything he's said in, inspires optimism right now. Everything, and I I love it. It's a it's a totally different U Darvish than we saw last year. The only thing I would say ahead of his start on Saturday is that people need to just no matter what happens, just relax. Unless he goes, unless he leaves with an injury, I don't care if he gets shelled. Let's just cool it with the oh here we go again takes that will inevitably be pouring in if he doesn't have the perfect outing. So I, that's that's all I would say is no matter what happens, barring injury, just cool your jets. Look, if his first start he gives us like six innings and gives us like only two runs given up and well, that'd be a great eight, yeah, nine strikeouts, I'd take it gladly. Be a great first start, yeah, yeah. I don't expect him to go seven plus, but I think if no. he gives you six really good innings, you'll definitely take it. It's just some of these stupid fans. You sign a pitcher for that much money. He's your big, your big get. And people just, oh, he better be throwing damn near no hitter every time out there. Like, come on. And especially with, with all the trouble he's had coming off an injury, I would, I would hope people would give him the benefit of the doubt at, that he, you know, might need to kind of ease back into this a little bit. I'm not expecting him to look like a, a, a Cy Young candidate right out of the gates. Some people will, though. Some people are going to expect that, and they're going to be disappointed and mad online when it doesn't happen. Yeah, you got to put it in perspective. Uh, just kind of remembering where he's coming off of. and Yeah, uh, I think you said it best. Just If, if, if we find down. ourselves First start, in... Calm down. If he's got like a, a 480 ERA in July, then we'll talk. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, give him a few starts. I don't expect his first few starts to be more than like six innings. If he does go over six, then hey, good for him. But I, I think six innings is where you're going to see his first few starts. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's realistic. Um, else in the rotation, Cole Hamels, obviously he's going to try to have a more consistent year. I don't really have much to say about him. His spring wasn't all that great, but I think his last start against Boston, he looked really good. I was able to watch that game. Um, I don't think he really cares about spring training that much. He's just kind of getting there throwing because you got to remember the guy's the same age as John Lester. So I don't expect greatness from him, but you know, if you, if you can get a, a three, six, ERA pitcher out of him at this point, I think you'll take it. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's kind of where I expect him at. I don't expect what he did with the Cubs last year, but I don't expect like that first half disaster that he was with uh, the Texas Rangers. Yeah. See, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm, if I had to guess, I would say somewhere in the ballpark of like 3 6 to 3 9 for the year. I think he could do better than that. I also think there's a chance he could be much worse than that. And Cole Hamels uh, is one of the guys in that rotation that just legitimately, I, I have no idea. It's so hard to guess what he's going to do. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Even over Jose Quintana, I think Cole Hamels is hardest to gauge where he's at and what he's going to produce. Um because honestly, I could see like four and a half ERA for the season from him. I really could. Um, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case, but it's he kind of seems like a flip of the coin right now. Well, you know, coming off the season that he had a lot of ups and downs, I think there is, uh, you know, a reason why you and many other people would think that. And, uh, you know, he's only back for one year, but the option was a $20 million one. You know, that is a lot of money, but... You know, you hope he could at least do what he did with the Phillies for many years. Maybe not quite that good at this age, but something around that. Uh, I, I do feel like Cole Hamels won't be as bad as he was last year with the Rangers. Yeah, that was just not a good team at all around him. Not a good pitcher environment. It just, 
it wasn't a good mix for a veteran guy who was getting older. When he first went to Texas, he found success there. But, you know, last year, the team has gotten worse and worse. And when you don't have a good team around you, that can affect you. But, yeah, you just got to hope Cole Hamels can be solid because he's going to oh, yeah. have to be. Yeah, that's 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 a big part of it. We've talked about that, that just being on a, a, a losing team can can make it difficult. Um, I mean, how do you find motivation to to bring your best stuff when you know that you're inevitably just going to be in your lazy boy in October? Uh, so that that changes things for sure. I mean, and you saw Hamels throw harder when he came to the Cubs, a few miles harder on the fastball. Yeah, he did. He was throwing like 96 in that first start with the Cubs. It, that was some was serious amped, adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. Then lastly, I think this is one of the difficult guys for me to gauge, and that's Jose Quintana. And this is a guy I still have some faith in, and this is a guy who is coming off a very strange season. He threw a fastball 50% of the time, according to Fangraphs, or he threw like a curve. He barely threw anything else. He was basically a two-pitch pitcher. This was a guy that used to throw a bit more of a variety. He used to throw cutters. He doesn't do that anymore. But this year, he's going to be start using a changeup a lot more, and I think that's a good thing. And Jose Quintana's had a very good spring. And I know it's spring, but I think the fact that he was able to mix in a few more pitches and get some early confidence in that. That does tend to carry over well into the regular season. I mean, who knows, but I think that's kind of where I'm at with him. Uh, I would really just love to see that Jose Quintana that was with the White Sox all those years. The guy that pitches like a 3.36 ERA or like a 3.4 ERA because here were his ERAs when he was a White Sox, starting in 2012, 376, 351, 332, 336, 320 when he was an All-Star. And I mean, man, if he can give you a 3.3 ERA this year and pitch in like 200 innings, then you'll really be getting what you traded Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for. Yeah, and I mean... Fingers crossed. We can only hope. Uh, I'm I'm not holding out hope for that. Um, that's to say, I, I've I've kind of I've gotten off the Jose Quintana hype train. Um, I'm going to be rooting as hard as anyone else for the guy, but I've kind of tempered my expectations for him. Uh, at this point, I'm not expecting White Sox Quintana anymore. I just am hoping he can be better than he has been with the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, you look at his first st uh, stint in 2017. He was actually really good in 2017. 374 ERA, but a 325 FIP and a 10.5 K per nine and a 2.2 base on ball per nine. I mean, that was really good. But last year, you saw the inconsistency. The whip was almost a career high. His his rookie year, he had a 1.35. Last year was a 1.32. Um, the base on balls, though, that was a 3.5 last year per nine, and that was a career high. He had an 8.2 strikeouts per nine, which was second highest compared to the year before. You just want to find some consistency there. I think if you see the changeup being worked in there and you see the walks go down by maybe, I don't know, it was 3.5 per nine last year. If it could be like 2.8, even that would be a nice improvement because the big thing last year was he just nibbled so much with the fastball and he either walked a guy by barely just missing or he would have to lay it down the middle and it would get hit. You would hope yeah. that a variety of pitches would kind of help that out. Yeah, I mean, here's hoping maybe it was just a bad year and a half or so. Uh, but like I said, there wasn't he didn't really show us anything in 2018 that would indicate he's on the cusp of being White Sox Quintana again. Uh, so I would say that, uh, of everyone in the rotation, he's the biggest got to prove it guy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. It's also weird because he was really, really, really bad against Atlanta 
if you took away his two disastrous starts against Atlanta, I think his ERA was around three five, three six. I saw a tweet on it. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but Jose Quintana had a lot of solid starts last year, but there was mm-hmm. a handful of like five or six that were so disastrous that his numbers just ballooned. But the fact of the matter is, even if it is just an, a handful of bad starts, you're going to have bad starts. Every pitcher is. But if you have like five or six really bad starts versus what, like 25 other good ones, you still want to have more consistency with that because the bad starts were kind of spread out. He had a few early on and then he got kind of a groove again. And then you saw some more bad starts, then got a groove again. Then you saw another bad start. That still shows a lack of consistency, even if it was just a handful of bad starts, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's no doubt he had some some good stretches last year. He just has to prove that he can he can do it not just in stretches, but over the course of time. Um, because I mean, it's and I'm not trying to single him out either, because the Cubs as a whole, as a rotation, had plenty of issues last year. Absolutely. I mean, they the bullpen got worked really, really hard. Uh, and the hope this year is that that's not the case. It would be it would be great if we could get at least six innings uh, from guys on most days, ideally seven. Um, I know that's not really where the game is at now, but uh, yeah, I, I think that a big key for the Cubs, especially the state of their bullpen, ha- the, as big a question mark as it is, it would be nice if they didn't have to be relied upon so heavily this time around. Well, let's just get into the bullpen, as you mentioned it, because that's been a hot topic of conversation, and we've covered it a lot on this show, almost to the point where we are just so done talking about the bullpen. But, you know, projected for the opener, I think it's pretty much official now, but you have Carl Edwards Jr., Steve Ciszek, Randy Rosario, Mike Montgomery, Pedro Strope, Brad Brock, Tyler Chatwood, Ian Kinsler, not Ian Kinsler, Brandon Kinsler, sorry, um, Morrow is obviously still on the IL. So is Xavier Cedeno. They're trying to work their way back. Morrow is very important because he's your closer. We've seen guys like Alec Mills and um, Dylan Maples and Mekis and some of those minor league arms get sent back, but you're probably going to see them again at some point. You still have guys like George Contos in the mix down there. This is going to be, I think, a bullpen that's going to be one big rotating door. You're going to see guys come up. You're going to see guys get DFA'd. You're going to see guys get hurt. It's going to be a rotating door. I mean, that's yeah. those are all the things you have to deal with. They just signed Tozawa again, a minor league deal. I, I just I don't see Brandon Kinsler lasting that long i mean maybe he does maybe he bounces maybe back, but if he gets dfa'd that's going to open up a spot if one of these guys get hurt that's going to open up a spot so yeah just i would just expect a big rotating door throughout the season yeah so i mean i've, I've said this over and over and over again that i think the bullpen is getting kind of somewhat an unfair rap i mean you got strope edwards c-shack montgomery brock Chatwood, Kinsler, Rosario. I think there's potential there. I think there's potential there for that bullpen to be okay. I don't think it's necessarily fair that everybody assumes this bullpen is going to be a raging hot dumpster fire. Uh, I mean, it certainly could be. That's that's definitely a possibility. But I don't I don't see that as being a guaranteed train wreck either. What I just worry about right now is when is Brandon Morrow coming back and what is Brandon Mm -hmm. Morrow going to be like when he does come back? Because he is your closer. And look, Pedro Strope, I I trust that guy more than anybody, but he can't do every role in that bullpen and cover everybody's butt. You're going to want Brandon Morrow back so you can have Pedro Strope in the eighth or the seventh or when there's a really big situation. Steve Ciszek, he's kind of had a struggling spring. So I kind of hope he wasn't just burned out last year. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. The guy has really good career numbers. Brad Brock, still a little worried about that. Obviously, we've seen the lack of velocity and coming off Mm -hmm. mono. There's a big question mark there. Let's see what Tyler Chatwood gives us. 
I don't expect him to be starting in roles where no. he's going to come in in the seventh or the eighth in a close game, but we're going to see him eventually. I'm his... not jumping on the bandwagon, but let's see what he gives no. us. Yeah, his, his spring looked fairly encouraging. I mean, he, he looked better than his control looked better than it did last year. Yes. I mean, yes. granted, it's it's a small sample size and you're going against primarily minor league guys a lot of the time. Uh, but that's definitely the right track. I mean, it's I'm I'm willing to give him a chance. I don't think it's some people think it's just like blasphemous that they're even letting him be on the roster this year. But well, I'm with you, it's, let's see choice. what he does. Yeah, I mean, it's fresh it's start. Let's them. see what he does. Exactly. And, you know, I'm really curious to see because I think it's pretty obvious at some point this season, we're going to see Dylan Maples again. He's, you know, part of the farm. And he's been part of the farm, and they're trying to groom pitchers better. Uh, we're probably going to see Mekas because he's been doing very well. Probably going to see Alec Mills at some point. I think those are guys to really keep an eye on at the beginning of the season when they're in the minors. And, you know, keep an eye on guys like Tazawa or Kantos who have been signed to the big deals. Or not big deals, but they've, they've signed minor league or they were invited to camp. And they're trying to make the big league club at some point. I don't know if George Contos is going to really even be around much longer or Tozawa, but keep an eye on them because they may want to keep some veteran guys, you know, available. But I think these, some of these kids like Mekis and Maples and Mills are going to be guys that could really get a chance to make their mark this season. If there are injuries or if guys do get DFA'd, and by the way, we will mention that Brian Dunsing did get DFA'd and they signed a minor leaguer uh, by the name of Collins. Tim Collins, I think is his name. I never heard of him, but he's in AAA right now. Uh, so again, just a lot of different names. Um, it, Brian Dunsing, he had a great 2017, but I think not, a nice guy, but let's face it, that was kind of a fluke. Ah, that makes me sad. It really does. I was rooting for the guy, but you know what? You got to do what you got to do. And you got to keep in mind that off the list of names I read, you only have a few lefties. You have Rosario and Monty. You know, pretty much everyone else is a right-hander. So it's going to be very righty-heavy. Yeah, that could be an issue. I could see that being a pressing matter at some point. Right. And I mean, guys like Tozawa and Kantos, you're not just going to call them up if no. you need, you know, reinforcements right now. You got to have a reason. Somebody's got to either go down or be DFA'd or someone's got to get hurt, God forbid. So I, th- this is the bullpen you're going to have to start the season. Tozawa deserves a spot just because he has a cool name. Junichi Tozawa. That's, that's a cool name. Yeah. He's been in the league for a while. He was released yeah. and then he was brought back. I I'm rooting for him. I I want him on the club. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure you'll see him. You'll either see him eventually or he'll just get DFA'd again. So we'll see about that. But I mean, that's pretty much the bullpen for right now. Why don't we just uh, move on to the rotation? Uh, not the rotation, the position players. Alrighty, let's do it. So we got some pretty shocking, but also not the most surprising news when you think about it the other day. I certainly wasn't expecting it, but Ian Happ's going to start in AAA Iowa. He was not very happy about it. I'm sure he's very frustrated, but I think it is the right move. He struggled this spring, and he struggled through much of last year. You see some of the potential in him, but there's a number of holes that have to be fixed. So I think it's the right call. I think this is going to be yeah. good for him in the long run. Yeah, I I think that this this had to be done. It, that, I mean, a lot of people were really shocked by this. You notice that a lot of people were shocked by this move, and I yes, I, I guess I don't really were. I don't really understand that. I it it seems perfectly reasonable to me. The bottom line is the guy just strikes out way too much, way too much. I mean, it, and if he made up for it in other ways, then maybe you'd have a case to not send him down, but he really doesn't. 
or at least he doesn't really provide value that somebody else can't provide in his place. Uh, and the, the strikeout issue, that's, that's something you don't correct if you're sitting on the bench most of the time. And so I, so I think this needed to be done because he, the only way he's going to improve in, in certain areas is if he gets at bats every single day. And the only way that's possible is if he's in Iowa. Um, or there's a lot of people that had really stupid takes on this matter, the dumbest of which were all the people saying, I, I just find it concerning that Hap was surprised that he's being sent down that that indicates to me that there's a lack of communication between Joe and his players. Like, are you an idiot? What do you think Joe goes up to all his players every single day and says, you know, if you don't step it up, you're heading to Iowa, buddy. You, you gotta be a moron to think that it's just, some of these people are just digging for any reason they can find to just pile on the Cubs. Yeah, that's, there's that's a bit ridiculous. Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, the guy can take walks. There's no question about that. The guy has shown power. He hit over 20 home runs his rookie year. He hit, what, 10 home runs last year? It was a real dip, but again, he didn't play. 15, but that, in 142 games. It was 15, games, that many? Wow. It was, it was 15, but that's, I mean, that's not... When you when you consider the strikeouts and and he's not getting many hits besides that, I mean, people use his his power as, as the as one of the excuses to to keep him up. And it's like fifteen home runs in one hundred and forty two games. I don't think that's enough to justify all the strikeouts. Not for his ceiling. Get. No, he he's got a ceiling of twenty plus. I mean, if he was like a borderline elite defender then maybe you'd have a case. But like, like I said, he just doesn't make up for it enough in other areas to justify dealing with his flaws. So here were his numbers last year. I just pulled them up. Uh, the slash line was 233, 353, which, again, the on-base goes up with all the walks, and 408. That was his total on the season. 15.2 uh, walk percentage, but a K percentage of 36.1. So that's nearly 40%. That is way too high. And if you look at the second half numbers, a WRC plus of 80 and a slash line of 196, 313, 340. Yeah, that's uh, that's not great. I mean, the main thing was is that he wasn't hitting pitches in the zone. And I'm not a hitting instructor by any means, but that swing just looked like a big, long, slow golf swing. He just couldn't catch up to pitches. That was a big problem. That's that's a hole he has to fix. And you know what? Joe Madden, when he talked to the media, he gave a straight, logical reason. He said, we want to see him improve. We want to see him improve on the left side of the plate. And we want him playing every day. He's not going to improve by playing every day in the major leagues. The outfield is too crowded. There's a lot of guys on this roster who's going to be getting a good number of of games and innings and at bats and all that stuff. He's just not going to be an everyday player. You can't develop a guy if he's not an everyday player like that. So this is his opportunity to play every day, get fixed and come back up. Yeah. And, and, and I don't understand why so many people view that as being so unreasonable. I really don't understand why this caught so many people by surprise that their gas was truly flabbered. Um, he he needs the work. He needs the work every day. Uh, and the Cubs are in a position right now, their division, it's so competitive, they can't afford to give stuff away at this point either. I mean, they have to field the best team they can every time out. Uh, and they're not here to, to, to give Ian Happ some reps to practice. I mean, they're here to win. Uh, and if Ian Happ uh, doesn't improve those chances to win, then, then he's got to go down. So... I don't know. This this makes sense to me, uh, and if I had to guess, he won't be in Iowa too long. I mean, I don't we'll think see. So either. We'll we'll see him on the big league club this year. I definitely will. There's there's no doubt in my mind about that. Look at Kyle Schwarber when he was sent down in 2017. Look at Anthony Rizzo when he was acquired by the Cubs. He had already had like I think it was like a month or so in the majors with the Padres the year before, but he struggled. The Cubs sent him down. 
look at Javier Baez. He was called up in 2014. He struggled, showed promise, but struggled. He started 2015 in the minors. He did deal with a few other things in 2015, so that's why he wasn't up until later that year. But still, he started in the minors in 2015. This is just sometimes how it goes with big prospect players. And Ian Happ was a notable prospect for the Cubs for a number of years, and he's still a young guy. This is just part of it sometimes. Yeah, and this this happens. And him getting sent down is not the Cubs giving up on him. They are sending him down because no, the they opposite. are not get it's yeah, it's because they're not giving up on him. This is just the process. If yeah. they were giving up on him, they would like trade him away or something. That's that's not what's happening here. Yeah, or or it would be just the opposite. If they were giving up on him, they would have kept him and just went with the mentality, "Oh, you mean He's not going to hit a ton, get on base a little bit, going to strike out a lot. We'll keep him just as a bench piece who can provide some pop off the bench every once in a while. That would be their mentality if they were giving up on him. Uh, so the fact that they're sending him to AAA clearly means that they believe he can do more than what he's done. They want him to reach his full potential. Yeah, and I think he could. I mean, it's at this point, we're probably past uh, thinking you know, that he's got superstar potential. I don't really see that in him now. But I think he could he can be a much more well-rounded player than he's been. I still believe that he could do that. I agree. I'm right there with you. I'm not giving up on him yet. Uh, but this move does seem to open up the spot for Mark Zagunis. And Mark Zagunis is a guy who has been blocked by the Major League team, by a number of Major League players. It's It's so crowded up there. You look at his numbers in the minors... The guy's an on-base machine. And his spring training this year, he slashed 349, 431, 721, a 1.152 OPS, 14 home runs, 13 RBIs in 21 games. That's 51 plate appearances. I think he has well-earned a spot on the opening day roster. And it's going to be interesting to see him play more than one or two games because that's pretty much what his major league stints have been so far because he's been blocked by other players in the majors. And that's just, that's the way it goes. I mean, we, anytime you have a Cubs position player prospect that, that feels like he's on the cusp there, we've always had this problem of being blocked and the outfield, like you said, especially is really crowded right now and if you're if you're going to be a mainstay then you have to stand out in some way um and i i don't know if right now it looks like almora is probably the starter in center field would you think oh absolutely i don't think there's any question about that and you're going to see him lead off against lefties not all the time but if there's a lefty on the mound you know albert almora jr crushes lefties and he's crushed it this spring He's been hitting for power. He's been slapping the ball all over the place. I mean, just the other day I was watching him. He was driving the ball in the air, and he was hitting doubles down the line. I know it's only spring training, but I got to feel like he's got a lot of confidence right now. Yeah, I, I'm expecting big things from him. I, I'm on. I'm a part of his fan club because I think he gets an unfair reputation on I do social too. media. I, I do, too. It's like just because the guy isn't Mike Trout against right-handers that he he doesn't deserve to be playing very much. It That's always kind of baffled me. And I understand he doesn't draw walks. I understand why people would say he's not a typical leadoff hitter. I, I get that. But you got to appreciate what the guy does. I mean, come on. Look at the guy playing center field. Look how many yeah. plays that guy makes. And he, he doesn't have to be a leadoff hitter either. I mean, we don't do we really know who... We don't really have any idea who is going to lead off, do we? I mean, it's probably going to be by committee. I feel like if there's a lefty on the mound, it's going to be Elmora. I think you're going to see Zobrist leading off just because the guy is just a Mm. professional hitter. He can walk. He can run deep counts. He could slap the ball in all directions. You're probably going to see those weird times a year where Rizzo is leading off. Maybe there are some games, as much as one may cringe at this, Daniel Descalso. But also keep in mind, Daniel Descalso, if you look at his batting stats the past few years, 
he's made some adjustments and he's looked a lot better. He's gotten on base a bit more. Um, he's still not a guy that's going to lead off all the time, nor do I want him to, but I feel like on occasion, Joe is going to put him in there depending on the matchup. I mean, I, it's you're going to see a number of things. You're going to see a number of combinations. Who's going to lead off opening day? Let's both take a crack at it and see if either one of us ends up being right. I'm going to say Elmora. That's going to be my guess. Going Elmora? Yeah. I'm I'm going to I'm going to go a little bold here because he doesn't walk very often and I'm going to say it's going to be Javi. Really? Yeah. That's pretty bold. Lead off with the spark. I mean, Mike Miner is a is a, a lefty, so having a righty in there makes sense. I could see it being Zobrist too, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Javi. I'm gonna say put your spark plug guy in there first. Get him. He's gonna have the adrenaline pumping, which probably means he's gonna whiff on three pitches. But he's either gonna <laughs> I mean, whiff on three pitches or he's gonna hit one ten thousand feet. But but here's my here's my thinking. Javi is such a high energy, high confidence guy. If he gets on base in his first at bat, he's getting to third base. If he gets to first and in, in his first at bat, he's getting to third at least in some oh, way. Oh sure, I genuinely yeah. believe that. So I I'm saying Javi. All right, bold but interesting. I like it. You look at pretty much the rest of the guys: Rizzo, Bryant, Wilson Contreras. You mentioned Javi, Victor Caratini, backing catcher, Kyle Schwarber, who I think is going to mash this year. I think he's going to break out this year. And uh, so. Jason Hayward and David Bodie's had a great spring. Again, I don't know how it's going to transition into the regular season, but I think Bodie has at least earned some time in the majors with the spring training he's had. Yeah. I mean, who else I'd... are you going to go with right now? Yeah, I mean that's that's a fair point. Their their options are fairly limited in that regard. Because look, you're not going to put Nico Horner in there. He's only 21. No. He had a great spring, but he is not ready for the majors. Yeah, we kind of got to slow our roll on Nico Horner just a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's exciting to, uh-huh. to see what what he's done so far. Uh, but I, I would rather the Cubs not rush him into the big leagues if he's not totally ready. Uh, because I mean, the, the, the other thing is that they just don't need him right now either. I mean, it would be one thing if they, if they really desperately needed somebody, but they, they just don't. Right. So yeah, this is pretty much what you're going to be look at position player wise, Rizzo, Bryant, Javi, Zobris, Descalso, Willie, Caratini, Almora, Schwarber, Hayward, Zagunis, Bodie. It's pretty much what you're looking at now. Uh, obviously, things can change in the regular season. They often do. They always do. They always do. But, you know, remember, an opening day roster is going to change many, many times throughout the season. So even though this is what it looks like now, it's not necessarily what's going to look like a few months from now, heck, even in a month from now, there can be numerous changes. I mean, obviously, Addison Russell is suspended, so he's mm-hmm. got to serve the rest of that. Uh, you know, guys will get hurt. Guys will be called up or guys will be, you know, traded for, claimed, signed, whatever. There's going to be some changes along the way. But, you know, here's the team we have for 2019 to start. That first day, Thursday, March 28th in Texas. We've pretty much gone over this roster. Um, before we sign off, why don't we do some predictions? First of all, let's let's say who's going to lead in home runs. Who do you think? I'm going to go with Bryant this year. My my first inclination is to go Rizzo, but I I'm, I'm going to say Bryant, and uh, I think he's going to have a monster year. I think he's he's out to prove that last year was a total fluke, uh, and I think he's going to hit 43 home runs. I'm right there with you. You took the words right out of my mouth. All right. Who is going to lead the staff in strikeouts? This is pitching, starting pitching. That one's that one's tougher. I mean, there, I think there's three guys in the rotation that could all legitimately win that. Um, I'm, you know what? I'd screw it. I'm going with you, Darvish. It's going to be a good year too. for you, Darvish. That's I'm saying it. If he, if he, if everybody in that rotation is pitching to their full potential at this point in their careers, it's you, Darvish. Yep. So I'm going to roll the dice. Yeah. 
I'm going Darvish too. He's the guy with the strikeout stuff. You're not going to mm-hmm. see as many strikeouts with Lester anymore. No Hendricks, like you said, he works the corners, gets a lot of grounders. Quintana is not traditionally a huge strikeout guy. Cole Hamels will have a, a, an okay he, amount. He could, but he could, yeah. That's I, Cole I, Hamels would be my second pick if if it's not probably. Darvish. I guess Cole Hamels would probably be my number two for that. Probably. But I think overall, if you take away you Darvish, it's not a rotation that's going to be piling up a whole bunch of K's. No. But if if you Darvish wasn't in there, I would say Cole Hamels as well. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Who do you think is going to have the lowest DRA in the bullpen? And this is like a qualified type guy, someone that pitches, let's say, fifty plus innings. Hmm. That see, that's that's kind of a tough one too, because there's really there's a lot of guys who could who could end up with that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Pedro Strope. I think that if he stays healthy, he's probably the safest bet for yep. the lowest ERA. So if 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 he stays healthy all year, I'm gonna say Strope. Um, if he if he does get hurt at some point, um, I'm gonna say Edwards. I'm going to go with Edwards. I think Strope is going to be the overall consistent guy. He's probably going to be the quote-unquote best reliever. Mm-hmm. I just think with Carl, since he has such devastating stuff, he's going to have some rough patches, but he's going to have some patches where he's just completely unhittable, and yeah. I'm just going to go with him. Like and, and like we've discussed before, I think that Joe and, and the team in general – uh, are going to be smarter about how they manage Edwards this year. I agree, definitely. Last question. What's going to be their record? You could just say wins. You don't have to say losses. Oh, thank you for not making me do that much math. Yeah, um, just say wins. Yeah, I, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with 93. 93? Okay, so yeah. you're pretty confident. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good team. It's for as many gripes as people have in this offseason. It's it's a good team. It's still a really good team. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go 91. I think it's going to be a dogfight in the division. I still think the Cubs can win the division. I'm going to optimistically say they're at least going to be in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I think a lot would have to go wrong for them not to be. I think there'd have to be a lot of injuries, a lot of bad performances. I think if they stay healthy for the most part, and that their bullpen can at least hold their own. Again, I don't think it's going to be fantastic, but you do have some talented arms in there. I think that their pitching rotation will hopefully stay healthy and hopefully put together some nice performances. You Darvish being good would add so much to this. I think their offense is going to be great. That's one thing I'm really not worried about. I'm really high in that offense. Um, The Brewers are going to be tough. The Cardinals with Paul Goldschmidt are going to be tough. The Reds and the Pirates are going to be at least competitive. It's going to be a very tough division, but I think the Cubs are going to finish on top. They're going to win 91 games. They're going to only win by maybe a game or a game and a half. Uh, it's good. You know, it's probably the best division in baseball. The The winner of the division may not have like 95 plus wins, but it's going to be the most competitive. And maybe mm-hmm. one of the reasons that nobody has 95 plus wins is because it's such a tight competition. They're, they're beating each other, you know, back and forth. So there's no clear cut winner. Like, you know, the Cubs in 16, they had 103 wins. That division wasn't good. They beat up on all those guys so badly that helped them to that great record. They were also a great team, but you know what I'm talking about. It's going to be such a close competition in that division. So you, you Cubs finishing first place. I, I agree with that. I'm, I'm saying 93 wins uh, and they finished in first. I think it's going to be Cubs at 93. I'm saying Cardinals at 90 and Brewers at 85. I'm not super high on the Brewers this year. I think their offense is due to regress a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think that they got a lot more out of their rotation than what they actually are. I look at I that agree. rotation in Milwaukee, and I I don't see consistent success from that. I just don't see it. I think 85 is pretty realistic for that team. The thing with Milwaukee is if they're going to do that thing where they just rely on the starters going like five or six innings and then having the bullpen just dominate the rest of the way, that can work for a while, but you're going to burn those guys out by September, October. Oh, yeah. I mean, l- listen to these names. You got Chassin, Peralta, 
Woodruff, Burns, and Davies. That, according to Brewers.com, is their starting rotation right now. You you see 95 wins, 95 win season out of that rotation? I don't think so. They probably have to make some moves to improve upon it, but looking at it right now, yeah, I think uh, that's going to sure be they one will. of the big points. I'm sure, well, I mean, that they haven't in the past, which is kind of surprising, but I would think that, that a, a, a pitcher would be one of their top priorities come trade deadline. For sure. Again, the Central is going to be good. The Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs are all going to be fighting for the same thing, and I think yeah. you're going to see a lot of close it games. Should be fun. Yeah, between My, all of them. I I also think there's there's a good chance that one of these three, because it, I mean we're pretty much all in agreement, it's Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers going to be in a really tight race. I I wouldn't be shocked to see one of those three teams just kind of fall completely out of it uh, by the by the time the last couple months of the season rolls around. Well, let's hope it's not us. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I think if it's gonna if it's gonna be somebody, I think it's gonna be either the Brewers or the Cardinals. I don't see it being the Cubs. I see their floor. I see the Cubs' floor as being higher than St. Louis and Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's that's a fair way to put it. So I guess it's just time to ride. Let's do this. It's about time. Man, so sick of spring training. Hate spring Me. training. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to this season preview show. We could talk about so much more, but hey, we're going to talk about all this stuff every week as the season goes along. So until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll see you next week.